God our Father, we rejoice that thou hast brought us once again to the first Sunday of a brand new year. We thank thee, our Father, that we have the double joy of experiencing on this Sunday that blessed sacrament of Holy Communion, whereby thou dost communicate to our needy souls that forgiveness and assurance of pardon which we most need, and whereby, our Father, we may renew our pledge and dedication to thee. Therefore, we ask for the special ministry of the Holy Spirit to grant that in this hour this chapel shall become an upper room and we shall meet with Jesus and sense and feel his presence here. Enable us to pray aright that prayer which he desired his own to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us confess our faith in God. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sin, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Be seated. Let us read in unison. Behold, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up and shall be very high. As many were astonished at him, his appearance was so marred beyond human symbols, and his form beyond that of the sons of men. So shall he startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they shall see. And that which they have not heard, they shall understand. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. 
He had no form or comeliness that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its sharers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when he made himself an offering for sin. He shall see his offspring he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Let us all bow in prayer. O God, from whose mercy is from everlasting to everlasting, and whose tender mercies are over all thy works, we whom thou hast brought again to this high and holy hour, give thee thanks for this fresh opportunity of receiving at thy hand and of sharing the fellowship of thy people. We confess that we have been unworthy of the least of thy gifts. Day after day we have offended against thee in thought and in word and in deed. We have dishonored thy name by our carelessness and by our slackness have prevented thy purposes for ourselves and for others from being fulfilled. We remember promises we failed to keep and vows we failed to carry out. The excuses we fashioned to hide our faltering loyalty from ourselves cannot hide our faltering loyalty from thee. We approach thee not through any merit of our own, for we have none, but we approach thee through the merit and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Savior, who lived and died and rose again, 
that we might be saved. For his sake, whom thou hearest always, pardon all our sins, and so perfect thy strength in our weakness, we pray thee, that where we have failed thee in the year gone by, we shall fail thee no more. Deliver us from thinking that what we have been, we must always be. Remind us when our hearts condemn us that thou art greater than our hearts and that thou canst cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The only announcement that I would like to make is that our prayer meetings will be resumed as usual this week and that we shall have the privilege of having in Montreat this week a distinguished visitor from India, Dr. Abdelakbar Haq. He will be speaking at several uh, different times this week, and I will call you your special attention to that announcement in the bulletin. Our second lesson is found in the Gospel according to Mark. I would like to read it to you from the Amplified New Testament. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when, as was customary, they killed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you wish us to go and prepare the Passover supper for you to eat? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying an earthenware jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and whatever house he enters, say to the good man of the house, the teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover supper with my disciples? And he will himself show you a large upper room furnished, that is, with carpets and with dining couches properly spread and ready. There prepare for us. Then the disciples set out and came to the city and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve apostles. And while they were eating, he took a loaf of bread and praised God and gave thanks and asked God to bless it to their use. Then he broke it and gave to them and said, Take, eat. This is my body. He also took a cup of juice of grapes, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which ratifies the new covenant, the blood which is being poured out on account of many. Solemnly and surely I tell you, I shall not again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink of it anew, and a higher quality in God's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Amen. May God bless to our heart this reading from his word. Let us all pray. O God, our Father, we rejoice in the privilege we have of bringing back a part of our possessions here to this church and placing them in the collection plate and asking for the Holy Spirit to guide in their use. Oh, we pray that with the gifts which we bring, a deeper devotion from our hearts may come, and that as a result of the material gifts we have made, the name of the Lord Jesus shall be made more precious, and that many who do not yet know him as Savior 
may come to know him as both Savior and Lord, and that his kingdom may be advanced. In his name we dedicate our gifts, and we pray for thy spirit to guide our thoughts. Amen. A communion sermon should always be directed at preparing the hearts of all of us to more worthily receive the Lord's Supper. In order to do this, I've taken an incident from the Old Testament which I wish to use as a device to help us fasten in our memories three things which I think will be helpful as we come to communion. The incident is taken from the first book of Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 15. It's the story of Asa, who was a king over God's people, and who was in residence at Jerusalem, and who was threatened by an enemy. But because another force came against his enemy, the enemy who had built a fortress at Ramah had to abandon that fortress and go away. And Asa, the king, decreed that all of his people should go to this abandoned fortress and dismantle it and take the timbers and stones and build with these timbers and stones two fortresses in order to protect his own city. And so they took away the stones of Ramah and they built with them Geba and Mizpah. The Bible says a lot about stones. Joshua set up some stones as a memorial. We are told that when the great Mizpah benediction came, that Laban and Jacob made a heap of stones, and they said, The Lord watch between thee and me while we are absent one from the other. These were to be uh, memorial stones. If you read in the New Testament, you will see that our Lord Jesus Christ is compared to an elect and precious cornerstone, a stone which the builders rejected, but the same had become the head of the corner. And so when I got to thinking about stones, I thought of a project I once read about in which a man said that he would like to go to some places in the world that had meant much to him and take away some stones there and carve a date on these stones and erect for himself a sort of garden of memories. And all of us, I'm sure, would have a different type of garden of memories. If I could have a garden with a stone wall about it and stones from places that meant much to me, I suppose that I would want, because, want because I love church history, a stone from Marta, that place where Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg. And I would like to put on it October 31st, 1517, in memory of a man whose remarkable courage had declared that an apostate church would not rule over him to keep him from salvation. And then I would go and select some other stones that would mean much. One of them, I'm sure, would come from St. Andrew's Castle in Scotland. Because I've been to St. Andrew's Castle, and I've looked down at the cold North Sea churning up beneath it. And I thought about a man in 1527 by the name of Patrick Hamilton, who was burned at the stake because of his faith in Jesus Christ on a cold, wintry day in St. Andrew's Castle, and I would put Patrick Hamilton, 1527, 
from St. Andrew's Castle in this garden of memory. And then there would be other incidents that would come to mind, incidents that have to do with the making of our country, with its declaration in war for independence, perhaps a stone from Gettysburg to remind our country of what division can do and of what bloodshed can come. Maybe a stone from Iwo Jima, a battle where my brother fought in World War II. Perhaps a stone from Hiroshima or Nagasaki, melted because of the intense heat that came from the world's first nuclear device exploded against man. These are stones that would conjure up memories. But if I were building a sort of castle for my soul, I could find stones that are more precious than all of these, stones that can help me to make an upper room out of my heart and mind so that I might worthily receive the Lord's Supper. The first stone I would need for this would come from Mount Sinai. Here is where the law of God was given to Moses. Here God gave to us ten great commandments commandments that are good in their reasonableness, and if they were obeyed, would ensure us a right relationship to him and a right relationship to one another. God telling us that there must be no other gods before him. We must worship him alone, or else we are falsely worshiping. That we cannot make unto him any graven images, telling modern man that he will not remake God. He must accept God as he is revealed in the Holy Scriptures, teaching us a sacredness for his name, not to take his name vainly in prayer, not to take his name vainly when I sing the hymns of the church, not to take his name vainly when I pick up the communion cup and the bit of bread, but to mean it with all my soul and mind and heart and strength that I am to set aside time for worship of him and time to recharge the batteries of my soul and that those people who are my parents and who are to be God's representatives to me are deserving of me of reverence and of honor, that I am not to kill or to commit adultery or to steal or to lie about my neighbor or to be jealous of what my neighbor has, jealous of his house or his car, jealous of his wife, jealous of someone else's popularity or beauty. These great commandments have not been superseded by any of the advancements of modern man. Modern man has never even come close to living up to their reasonableness and goodness. And Jesus summed up all of those Ten Commandments when he said that literally all they meant was to love God with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength and, said Jesus, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so a stone from Mount Sinai would tell me of obedience to God's plan for righteousness, but the stone from Mount Sinai was broken. And those Ten Commandments have been broken, broken by you and broken by me. And Jesus, when he spiritualized them and told us what they really meant, 
that not only was I not to kill my neighbor, but I was not to have angry, hateful thoughts toward him. And oh, how many of those thoughts I've had. That I was not only not to steal from him. You see how we've broken them all by lustful thoughts, by unworthy deeds, and we stand condemned in the presence of that law of God, like a mirror showing us really what we're like. But then there's another stone, a stone that every believer must have. And it comes from a mountain, Mount Calvary. A stone from Mount Calvary, the place where Jesus died. When the baby Jesus was taken into the temple to be dedicated, an old man by the name of Simeon, who had seen many years come and go, inspired by the Holy Spirit, lifted up a prophecy regarding that child. And when he looked at his beautiful mother Mary, he said to her, This child is set for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and a sword shall pierce thine own heart. And that sword that pierced Mary's heart was Calvary. But it was necessary. The death of Jesus Christ upon that cross was utterly essential for you to be forgiven. And without it, there is no forgiveness of sin, none whatsoever. Someone else has paid the price for my sins. He did on the cross. I know all of the modern theologians, theories, and, and gainsaying, but any fool who reads the New Testament sees that the forgiveness of sins is always connected with the death of Jesus Christ. Always. He died in your place on that cross for your sins. And that's where our forgiveness comes from. You can't do enough good works to make up for your sins but you can accept the gift of God's love. What that cross tells me is this. That cross tells me that sin is no joke. That cross tells me that God will judge sin. That cross tells me there is a heaven and a hell. That cross tells me there is only one way of salvation, one way and one way only, and that's through the cross of Jesus Christ. And apart from that cross, you will never be saved no matter how many good thoughts you do have or good deeds you do, there is only one way to be saved, and that's through that cross. I don't wonder why God did not make more ways. I'm only glad he made one, and I'm glad he told me about it, and I want to tell everyone else I can about it. There is only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. That cross tells me of the sinfulness of sin, and of God's love for a sinning man. And so when I am tempted to despair because of my failures and my inability to live up to what he has told me to do, I can look to Calvary, and I can know that there is forgiveness. Again, that he will forgive me. For the millionth time he will forgive me, and he'll take me back unto himself. And then there would be another stone that I would want my 
soul's castle to have. And that would be a stone from this upper room. I was reading yesterday and wondering about this strange word. Jesus told these disciples to go into the city. And he said, go to the public well and you're going to see a man there. It was unusual to see a man bearing an earthenware jar, a pitcher of water. Usually the women carried the water. You're going to see a man there with a pitcher of water. Follow him. I've often wondered who that man was, where he ever met Jesus. Here Jesus had not a place where to lay his head. He owned no big fine house. He often slept out of doors. His pulpit was not a pulpit made out of wood like this, but he preached on the mountainside to the people who came to him. Or he preached from a boat where he was seated. And here Jesus comes into the city as though he owned the city. He tells his disciples, go on into the city. You'll see a secret friend of mine there. He'll be bearing a water pitcher coming away from the well, and you follow him and go to his house. And they followed him, and when they got to the entrance of the house, and he turned and said, what do you want? They did just as Jesus had told them to do, and they said, our master said, where is the upper room where I shall celebrate the Passover feast with my disciples? And that man took them to a room that was furnished and prepared and ready. I've often wondered who he was. He, he must have had some closeness with the Lord Jesus so that they could understand each other. He must have realized that Jesus would need a place for his disciples to celebrate this feast. And so they came. I would want a stone from that upper room in the garden of my soul. A stone from the upper room because here Jesus instituted this simple feast which has been celebrated down through the ages. It was here in this upper room that the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles after his resurrection from the dead. That upper room, that blessed place, yes, I, I would want a stone from that place in the garden of my soul because of what it would tell me. You remember what he said in that upper room? He took that Old Testament illustration that old feast of the Passover which had been held down through the centuries. And he said, I'm your Passover. I am your Passover. This, my body, is about to be broken, but it's to be broken for you. This is like my blood which is to be shed, but it's being shed for you. Why? There is a green hill far away without the city wall where the dear Lord was crucified who died to save us all. Why? Because he loved us so much. And when we take of this feast, I am not afraid of the law anymore. I know that that death on the cross was for me, and I know that this which he instituted in the upper room was for the benefit 
of my own soul to give me hope, to give me comfort, to give me identity with him and purpose in my life. Let me conclude. I began with an illustration about stones, which is true from the Bible. I'll close with an illustration about stones. Outside of the city of Glasgow, if you go up to Loch Lomond, which many visitors to Scotland like to do, you take a bus or a car, and at one point on your journey, you go over a bridge, the Steinkar Bridge. Near this river Steinkar is an old castle. There was an old castle. And at one time, there were, there were two clans feuding, constantly at war, always fighting each other. They were Kennedys. And by the way, they are Kennedys from whom our President Kennedy's family came. And this Kennedy clan always fighting against each other. And one day, one side got across the river Steinkar and went up to the castle and burned it completely. All the wood was burned away. There was nothing but big chunks of stone. And so the people in that castle began to think, well, we fought them off, but they burned down our castle. What will we do? And one of them said, well, I think we've been fighting long enough. What we ought to do is take these stones and build a bridge over the river. And maybe they can come over and talk with us, and maybe we can go over and talk with them. And so they built that bridge over the Steinkar River and they ceased their fighting when they came to know each other. Well, now this to me is sort of a parable of what happens at communion. Here God has built a bridge over troubled water. Here God has built a bridge whereby his love is communicated to us, and our love and devotion is communicated to him, and where we can experience the love of one another. A stone from Mount Sinai and a stone from Mount Calvary and a stone from the upper room. Let us bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, when we begin to consider our own unworthiness, how we bless thee that thou wilt accept us just as we are and that we can sing with perfect sincerity and the deepest feeling just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. Help us, O God, in the midst of our failure to answer that gracious invitation and to come to thee. Prepare our hearts now as we come to thy table and bless us with grace. In Jesus' name, amen.